This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Sorry, that was, that was like too a happy. really cute laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, it's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we answer your questions on dealing with diets while dining with others. Just who you do want to toast during a wedding toast? How to handle running into ex-friends, bizarre children's birthday gift practices, and whether or not you can drink your soup. All that, plus a postscript segment on Tom Colicchio's decision to eliminate tipping, coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Welcome back! I'm back! (laughs) It's fantastic to have you here in Thank person. Thank you. Buongiorno. Buonasera. Como stai? Estai. Estai. <laughs> it is. How I are am. you? <laughs> Ciao. Oh, my. I think I ate all the pasta in Italy. There isn't any, any left. I hope it was delicious. It was so good. <laughs> oh, the, oh, man. All kidding aside, welcome back. Thank you very much. It was it was a wonderful trip. It was a busy trip. We were doing stuff nonstop. But That's it what you was said. Sometimes those are the best vacations. It was. You know, point of etiquette. So, mm-hmm. you know, my parents are there for a month. And so one of the things that we did a lot of was grocery shopping at the local, the COOP, the COP. <laughs> and um, at the COP, it's so different because when you go there to buy your fruits and vegetables, you have to put a glove on and it's considered really rude to sift through wow. the vegetables. Like, you, sure, you can, like, pick the ones you want, but it's like— I kind of like that. You're not supposed to really touch what is going to be other people's food that they might eat directly. It was really interesting, very different. My mom kept warning me. I was like, Ma, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it was interesting. And at the markets, you did not touch any of the fruit. The person selling it chose for you or you know might even ask you would you which one would you like but they were the ones that chose and gave you the fruit and that is really different from american farmers markets and american supermarkets where you're even encouraged you know f- feel the produce smell the melons pick the, best pick the best one don't be scared to peel the top of the corn back a little bit and look at the oh, kernels that's on a, top oh that's a big debate but uh-huh. yeah but it's interesting it was interesting to see that little cultural difference in your day to day you mentioned another difference yesterday but i'm curious if i put you on the spot. What Go are some other differences that you might mention between... What was, how about you fill me in? Because I have... Um, smoking I'm, sections <gasps> in restaurants. The smoking. So the, there wasn't smoking in restaurants, but just sitting outside on all the terraces. Vermont is is fast becoming a place where you just don't smoke anywhere outdoors. Church Street in Burlington is now the a outdoor, no smoking outdoor. Street. And mm. when I went to Italy, it like was getting smacked in the face with cigarette smoke all the time. I couldn't believe how much it affected me. I was so surprised. And it was just such a difference. Like, oh, that's right. This is what it's like to be in places where smoke is 
more prevalent. It illustrates for me very well how the the slight differences in the social expectations we have of each other really have a big impact on they our can. lives. They can. And whether that's and you the, don't notice it all the time. You don't always notice it, and it's it's what's so delicious about this territory that we get to operate in. Whether it's the expectation you say hi to someone in the morning, it can mm-hmm. it can set the tone for someone's entire day, mm-hmm. and it's such a little thing, and it's a an unwritten social expectation that it might is. very well vary from one country to country or company to company. Exactly. And you, the culture of where you're in can be as different as house to house like you did, or company to company like you just said or continent to continent. One of the last things that I'll just talk about quickly is um, – so I've been to Italy a number of times, but I haven't been in the past 11 years. So this was my first time back in a while. Number one, the amount of people that spoke – the amount of Italians who spoke English greatly increased. So I was really surprised at how little Italian I actually needed to get by because so many people spoke English Hmm. and were really pleasant about speaking it. There was no like, oh, you're American. I'll have to say this. No attitude whatsoever. It was, oh, let me teach you a couple words or hey, and it was great. Mm -hmm. But the other thing was that when I was there, uh, when I was younger, you gave paper or coin money onto the little dish that was set by the register, and then they picked it up from there and returned your change on the little dish, and you picked up your receipt and your Hmm. change on the little dish. And now I noticed um, a lot more cashiers were willing to take money by hand, hand to hand. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see the places where they still made sure that it was dish to dish and when it was hand to hand. It was interesting to see that difference. Phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, I I learned to cook. I, you know, ate grapes right off the vine. We had an amazing time. I really, it was too short. I, all I'm thinking about right now is is handmade ravioli. (laughs) I can't wait to go home and make some of the dishes I learned to cook. (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. don't cook yourself out because you have to come cook for Pooja and me. (laughs) I definitely will. I definitely will. But you don't want to hear about my vacation. You guys want us to answer some questions. Let's get on with the show. Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first questioner wonders, why can't we all eat the same? It begins, Dear Lizzie and Daniel, I keep myself on a rather regimented eating plan so as to stay healthy. Managing my weight has always been a struggle for me, and I worked very hard to get to a weight where I am happy. My boyfriend of two years— Wait, wait, wait. Can we just say congratulations that she put in that effort and got to a weight that she's happy at? Because I know very few people who are happy with their weight, and I think that's a huge success. Yes, we can. Kudos and props where they need to be. Brava diva. All right. My boyfriend of two years, who I will most likely marry, lives within spitting distance of his family. They are wonderful, but they are not very health-conscious. A typical meal for them is probably the amount of calories I would consume in an entire day. Problem is, they are always inviting us to dinner. His mom cooks dinner every night. And I don't want to seem rude or hurt her feelings by always refusing. And I don't want to seem like a snob. And I further don't want to insult her by explaining it's because the food they eat is not very healthy. But I can't eat badly to spare someone else's feelings. How do I navigate this situation without offending my boyfriend or his family, but still staying true to my healthy habits? Thank you for your kind advice, Christy. Oh, Christy, I so sympathize. I have I've both been in this situation and have lots of friends who have been in this Mm -hmm. situation. And it is a tough one for all of the reasons that you state. I think that the best thing for you to do is to talk to him and make sure that it would be a good conversation to have with his mother. But say, you know, 
this is something I've worked really hard for. I would love to be able to go to dinner at your family's house, but also still stick to what works for me when it comes to my diet. I personally think that every now and again, it would be okay. And you know your body and your healthy habits better than I do. But I think it would be okay to just indulge and eat that meal that she cooks. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you need to do that once a week in order to make this relationship work. What about like the, the just a smaller portion? Well, Could you t- eat the same food but so really reduce the amount? Sometimes that can be really hard because when you're trying to work with your healthy eating plan, mm-hmm. sometimes you need a lot of food to feel full. And it's like, you know, th- for me, it would be mm-hmm. a really big struggle to just have a very small item of something that's high calorie because I just don't feel full. The the actual size of it in my stomach isn't something that's registering in my brain that I've eaten enough, even though the caloric level would be high enough that you would have. So that's something I would struggle with. But what I would suggest to her is to talk and say, I really love the fact that you have such a strong family bond and that you invite us over for dinner all the time. I really uh, work hard um, to maintain my weight and I I work really hard with my diet in doing that. And that seems to be the key for me. Would it be all right if I brought a dish that met my needs? Because that way you can still participate. You can still have a wonderful time. He still gets to enjoy that time with his family. The mom still feels great about getting to feed everybody, but you still get to meet your dinner. And again, like I said, every now and again, join them for that meal, splurge a bit on the calories, go for the bigger run the next day. Make it work for you. What I love about that approach is it's all positive. Yeah. You're affirming her, her good work and her family closeness and you're, you're affirming your desire to be a part of that and wanting to participate without calling into question the choices that she's making. And Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's really the, the, the territory that's going to be the most comfortable and probably the most productive. And while you can't expect that this might happen, you never know when your dishes might be something that she might say, oh, I would love to learn how to cook that. Mm-hmm. Don't expect that that'll happen, but you just never know. And be prepared to sometimes folks who do cook higher calorie meals have a tendency to look at people who cook very lean meals and they think they could never like what you're eating and just be prepared. You might get a couple comments about your own food, but just say, oh, you know, it works for me. But my goodness, your pasta does smell delicious tonight. We've been anticipating a version of this question for a long time. Oh, yeah. And and um, one of the ways that we've seen it in the past was vegetarian meals and options. Absolutely. And more, more recently, it's been food allergies gluten-free, and yeah. gluten-free diets. Yeah. And, and in the future, I very much see low-sugar diets coming, people that really focus on the amount of sugar in their food or maybe are, are firmly, firmly committed to not eating GMO foods. And That would be an interesting one. So, yeah. so that you're not in unusual etiquette territory. Not at all. And, and you, I think you can feel really comfortable about having this discussion Keep it positive. I'd say follow Lizzie's advice to the T. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck. I hope you can enjoy lots of wonderful family dinners together. Dan likes the title of this one. You're toast if you toast everyone. Our listener writes, I, 68 years, am going to be the best man at my son's, 38 years, wedding. In my welcome and toast, I was going to recognize the bride's mother and father, along with her sister and her husband. On my side, it would be myself and my wife and my son's godparents. My wife says that I should recognize all persons that are related to the bride and groom to avoid any hurt feelings. This would be five aunts, 
several cousins, the ring and flower bearer, the bride's roommate in college, and her best friend growing up. When I said, how about the bartenders, the DJ, the servers, and the wedding planner? Well, that's when the fight started. Please help. Who gets recognized or announced at an occasion like this? Thank you, Robin. <laughs> well, Robin, first of all, a hearty congratulations on the, the coming wedding of your son. I think 38 is a great year to get married. Oh, do you, Daniel? I, you know, it's, it feels just like a sweet spot to me somehow. Mm. Um and I appreciate your thinking ahead and wanting to do this right. well. Yeah. The art of toasting is one that in the past was hugely significant. Oftentimes toasts were recorded after events and were reported in the newspaper the next oh day. Oh, my goodness. Really? Absolutely. I didn't know that. Um, these days, I still think toasts are incredibly important. And they're one of those etiquettes that I think when used well, um, really give an opportunity to cement and grow relationships. And obviously a wedding toast is a toast that could be approached with some formality. There's a, a good chance you're going to be the center of attention at a large gathering. So one of the rules for good toasting is be brief. <laughs> Speak <laughs> from the heart. I like it. Um, this is not a long exposition. So I think you're in really safe territory. Um, you definitely want to honor uh, your guests of honor. So you want to honor your bride and groom. And I think a good uh, way to think about who else to include would be who else has parity to you in the wedding party on the other side. So definitely mention the parents of the bride. And – I don't think you are obligated to go much beyond that. I don't that. think you have to. You can make it pretty easy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah? There's this one inclusive phrase. Give Ready? it to us. It's been lovely getting to know Jane and Frank. We are so happy to welcome them along with their daughter, Catherine, and all of their family and friends into our circle of family and friends. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Ta-da! You're inclusive, you're including everyone, but you don't need to go through and list everyone by name. One of the truly phenomenal things about weddings is it really is about families coming together. And that's a, a great thing to honor and to really be thinking about honoring. Keep the toast brief. People will appreciate it. And do speak from the heart. Um, say something that, that you feel you can connect with. And that's what people are really going to identify with and remember. I did want to just mention one other point sure. of etiquette Go that right came ahead. up in this question. <laughs> you acknowledge, and I like the confessional, that when I said, how about the bartenders, the DJ, Clearly and the servers? Sarcastic. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we often make the point that sarcasm... Um, <laughs> Is a dangerous and potentially wicked tool. And while it can be incredibly funny, when you're having a discussion of some import, oftentimes sarcasm is best avoided because I don't think this is a, a huge issue and I hope it doesn't turn into a big issue in your family. Good luck with the wedding. Good luck with the toasting. And we truly hope that that makes it a little bit easier. Our next question is actually... Um, it is a pretty awkward thing, but I think we have a good solution, so I'm excited to read it. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First off, thanks so much for your fab podcast. I've learned so much about etiquette and thinking of others. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's my situation. I'm an academic and have recently had a big breakup with one of my collaborators. We had been close friends and collaborators for a few years, but sadly, all that was lost when this person, let's call him Bob, began, I feel so bad. We always get names like Bob or John, and these are like, I know they're the common names, but oh, I do feel bad for the Bobs and Johns Apologies out there. to all the Bobs out there. Yeah. Let's call him Bob. Began acting very badly. Bob's unethical behavior related to the project funding eventually caused me to kick him off a project we were both working on. I was the lead. Our years-long friendship was immediately terminated that terrible day, and neither of us has written or spoken to the other party since. Sadly, even though I know I did the right thing, I have heard from others through the gossip grapevine that he feels betrayed and wronged by me. It is an awful situation. We do not work in the same building, but we do work on the same side of a not very large town. One of these days, I'm sure I'll bump into Bob at the grocery store or coffee shop. Can you please help me with some sample language for that time? On the one hand, I don't think it's right for me to completely ignore him. But on the other hand, I can't chat him up like nothing occurred. I want to make it clear that I do not intend to rekindle any kind of personal or professional relationship with this person. I just want to know how to handle the situation like a grown-up and hopefully not make it any worse than it already is. I tend to be a pleaser in stressful situations and I don't want to fall into that here. Help. Thanks again, Pam. That is a really unfortunate and potentially difficult situation. I know. Um, and you've got me a little bit at a loss for words, but there are a few points of etiquette that, that come up throughout your question. The first one I want to acknowledge is that that loss of trust is so, so difficult, that you're the lead on a project and um, there's some unethical and untrustworthy behavior and you have to respond to that. That really is your responsibility and I don't hear hesitation from you. I think that's important. Yeah, that, that, she that feels you feel strongly that she did the right thing, in your position. which is good. And, and I think that's really the place to start here. Having heard through the grapevine that he feels betrayed and wronged, uh, I'm wondering if it might be appropriate to even try to nip this in the bud, to try to contact this person and resolve the relationship on your terms and in a way that you're going to be 
comfortable with before the situation that you're anticipating happens. Before the grocery store bump in. Exactly. Before the next staff mixer at the department that you work in or whatever that the social situation is that's likely to bring the two of you together. And I I do think that's a viable option. If you're hearing through the grapevine, um, sometimes gossip's important. Sometimes it's a way that information travels in small social circles. And if it's something that you feel that you should address, I don't think there's anything wrong with contacting this person and addressing it. I think that you're on really stable territory. I don't think you have to do that. There's no social obligation to do that. So it's an either or. It's if she feels the need to address this with him, she can. Yep. And still not rekindle the friendship in doing that, which she says she does not intend to do. But at least clarify where they both stand on the issue. Explain where she's coming from and tell him that she hopes that moving forward – that there's no awkwardness between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's an appropriate and reasonable thing to say, particularly if you're hearing from people that if he's talking about to. this and complaining. Yeah. If she doesn't want to address it, then it's just when you run into him. Absolutely. What do you do? And yeah. we often say that the true test of anybody's grace and poise or good etiquette is how they handle the difficult and awkward situations. Sure. And I don't think there's a perfect answer or way to do it. It's not like there's going to necessarily be a, a magic key that you turn that's going to make this go well. Right. Um, I think that that consideration, respect, and honesty, those fundamental principles are always important. And however this person is treating you, however they're behaving in that moment, I think that as long as you have a firm compass yourself about what you expect from yourself, See, you're, you're going to be in good and stable territory. getting at what I'm thinking is that she's going to have to take the lead on the situation from what he does. And I think that that might be the best place to operate from because you just don't know. I mean, you could see Bob and he could just turn away and then there's not much that you could do. Mm -hmm. You know, he could just avoid you. And you know what? Then just let the avoidance happen and realize that this is just someone that as sad as it might be, things didn't work out on a professional and friendship level between you. And so when you see each other, you just you're a person I used to know, you Mm -hmm. know, that song. Um, (laughs) Bob might smile at you and just walk on and then you can just let that be and then you know okay positive but we're not going to interact um it's really simple bob could go in into a fit of rage and smash the display of <laughs> pears and pomegranates and my guess is that then bob's going to be dealing with store security and not you yep. but you just you don't know how bob's going to react and he might just try to have a friendly conversation he might try to engage you about this topic and you're going to need to prepare yourself for any of these things and decide whether or not you're going to engage and like dan said i really think you need to come back to a place of you know, consideration, respect and honesty. And don't forget that respect for self, too. You're a people pleaser. You've said that, you know, you want to be a pleaser in a stressful situation. Prepare yourself to just say, Bob, I'm sorry you feel that way. I hope you have a good rest of your day and walk away. Remember, we talked Ooh. about walk away in a in another situation. Walk away if it's if he's getting yeah. aggressive about. And, and I, I think I like the way yeah. you're getting to a conclusion here. And one of the tendencies that you've identified in yourself is that you tend to be a pleaser and you don't want to let that tendency um, to take you to a place where you're telling someone something's okay that wasn't is something I'm guessing. Or and, that you're sorry. I mean, I don't know. And, yeah. and Lizzie just gave you one really good sample script. <laughs> Another one is, um, you know, Bob, I'm really not comfortable talking about that here. You can always, if if it does start to get really awkward or if he wants to talk about the details of the situation, you can always say, I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about that now. And I'd love to talk to you about it at a different time. If that's true, if you want to exactly if you want to set the the territory or the stage for having that 
um, more difficult conversation because it deals with his lack of honesty and a loss of trust. To me, that's a discussion that's best had in private where where you two have the best chance of resolving the situation well. Yes. So if you want to seize that and make that happen, do it ahead of time. But don't feel pushed into having that discussion at a time and place where you're not comfortable. And it's OK to cut it off if that starts to happen. So, Pam, there you go. You can try reaching out to him ahead of time if you feel you need to, would like to. Either of if those things, if that's something that, that works for you, you can simply wait to run into him and just take your cues from what he does. Or if, you know, he does approach you about things and try to engage you, you can decide if you're going to just simply, you know, say, I don't want to talk about this, but thank you and walk away. Or I'd like to talk about this in a different setting here's what we can try and set up. And that gives you a range of options that you can walk away from the situation feeling comfortable with. And we truly hope it goes well when and if it does happen. Best of luck, Pam. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This next question has to do with birthdays and beyond. Hello, Lizzie and Daniel. My sister recently shared an interesting story with me regarding a new trend she's seen in children's birthday parties. A few months ago, her five-year-old son attended several parties where the birthday boy or girl did not open gifts during the celebration. As a child, part of the fun of birthday parties always involved seeing my friend's joy when they opened the present I chose for them. So I found this a bit odd. In a conversation with some of the other mothers following these parties, it was revealed that several of the parents don't allow their children to open all or any of the gifts because they are choosing to withhold the presents for later occasions. For example, one birthday boy's mother said she gave him half of the gifts bought by his friends at the party with the intention of giving the other half at Christmas as part of his Christmas presents. My sister was understandably a bit surprised to discover that she just purchased a gift that will end up being unwrapped by the child's parents and rebranded as a Christmas present. One or two other parents admitted to doing something similar with their children's birthday gifts. What are your thoughts on this practice? If it makes any difference based on my sister's social circle, it's unlikely that any of these families are experiencing real financial hardship. Thanks kindly, Liz. I... I... I genuinely, like, don't know what to say. This Aghast. is absurd. This is wrong on all le- I'm just saying it. You can, like, mm-hmm. be the reasonable if you want to, but, like, no. I know. And shame on you. I know. For exactly the reason that Liz talked about. You mm-hmm. have just robbed a child, absolutely robbed a child of the gift-giving experience, not the gift-receiving experience. Obviously, the birthday boy is still going to get those presents eventually, but 
That's okay, not so, the point. <laughs> so what? The party's in June, and the the kid who gives the, the present never, ever gets a thank you for it? Ever? Even if it was November. This Even is if absurd. it was December This is like, 15th. I hope that all of the parents who do this listen to the darn podcast or that someone gets it to them so that they can hear just how ridiculous that is. Yep. And I can understand things like... Oh, but we always invite all the kids in the class, and it's just too many gifts, and it's too much spoiling. But then I think you need to do things like say, you know, we'd love for gifts to be simple, or, you know, we'd love it if you just wrote Jimmy a card telling him how happy you are it was his birthday or something like that. There are ways around that. Mm -hmm. But stealing those presents and claiming that they come from somebody else for a totally different holiday is absolutely—it's stealing. It's I, stealing. I, I noticed that word creep into your answer. I'm and I saying was... it. Okay, you can be reasonable. I'm just – I'm too angry. I think it's rotten. Um, I'm sorry. No, I, just, similarly, I feel bad about being that harsh. I started reading on. this question and I heard that the gifts aren't open in front of the people At giving them. At the birthday them. party. Yeah. And we've heard about this, that yeah. sometimes – you're right. It's the – Maybe the party's too complicated to be able to do that. Maybe I've heard of you that. know your child very well and you know there's a potential for tantrums and problems. But at least they're – from the givers and they get thank you notes. And as difficult as those Sorry. situations are, I was preparing myself to give the advice to go ahead and tolerate the tantrum and live through it because there's a learning experience there. Right. And there's this exchange of children learning how to give and receive gifts in front of each other. And it's, it's really an important, important thing. And the excitement of getting what you like, handling that well. The disappointment of not getting what you like, handling, handling that, that well. well. The excitement of seeing your gift land well and resonate and really give someone joy. All of the delicious human interaction that happens around giving and receiving gifts. Learning how gifts. to sit and watch someone else open a gift when you are not receiving one. I heard one of my personal heroes, Tom Brady, answer a question about participation trophies recently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he talked about the stress and the pressures that are on kids these days. And while he doesn't think it's appropriate for adults, sometimes you have a different set of standards for kids. And it's really up to parents to assess where their children are in their development, what they can handle. So I was preparing to take a really broad approach to this question <laughs> and say there's some latitude here about how you do gift exchanges. But then you read the second half. <laughs> and then I read the second half, and I understand your disappointment. It's, now you know why the line right under it says this is absurd. Uh, I really do, and I think that for me the etiquette here turns on when you stop acknowledging where the gift came from. <laughs> and yeah. when you start denying that person who's receiving the gift the privilege of thanking the person who gave it and as well as the person who gave it having the opportunity to experience the joy of the person receiving it. Exactly. We think this practice is wrong and we truly hope that it stops. And if you really think that the the number and the yeah, amount and the expense thought, yeah. of the gifts that someone's receiving but is inappropriate. But you can get around that in other ways. I've heard of parents who have said no to certain gifts because they're too much yeah. on behalf of their kids. And that is a privilege that parents have. But yeah. then I think you say no and you give the gift back to the person who gave it. You don't take the gift and rename it and pass it on later. As like a big Christmas present. Or as a way to distribute that generosity over time in a way that, that, yeah. that you're more comfortable with. I think that you've got to handle the responsibility of receiving that gift well as a parent on behalf of your child. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Liz, I really hope that this answer at least makes you feel justified in how you were understanding the situation and feeling about the situation. We certainly take your point of view um, and your sister's point of view. And um, hopefully your parties for your children and for your nieces and nephews can be the kind of parties where kids really get to experience that wonderful act of giving and receiving gifts and being thanked for what you've done for a friend. Best of luck and thanks so much for listening. Our next question is about broth bowl etiquette. Drinking broth from a bowl with handles? Question mark. With spoon or directly from the bowl? Question mark. What do you think? From CC. Um, you know, this actually this flummoxed me a little bit. Question I was just mark. like, I, what do you think? Well, from CC. Um, you know, this actually this flummoxed me a little bit. I was just like, well, I don't know what I would do <laughs> if I think that if I was served at someone's house and it had the handles and my host did it, I would. Obviously do it and drink yep. from the bowl. I know that in certain cultures you often drink soup from the bowl and that that's appropriate. But if I was – the question I had that I'm curious about your answer mm-hmm. is if I was alone at the restaurant, if I was the only person at the table at a restaurant who had ordered a soup that could be drunk that way or mm-hmm. came with handles, would you do it? All alone where there's not a huge social cost or consequence, I might. All alone, but what about if you're at a table with others, but you're the only one that ordered that soup and it came with handles on the bowl? A little bit might depend on the crowd. Okay, Um, okay. And and a little bit might depend on the shape of the bowl. And this is so silly, but... Interesting. Daniel, do tell. (laughs) um, So in our business dining series, Mm -hmm. we oftentimes say that look for handles, whether it's going to be okay to pick the bowl up or not. And the the general rule for dining etiquette is you don't pick the bowl up and drink the last bit of soup. For business etiquette. Exactly. And and generally for Western dining, if there's... It's not how it goes. Particularly if there aren't handles on the bowl, don't pick the bowl up. Okay. So that's the, the baseline that you're operating from. It is completely acceptable to tip the soup bowl to get that last little bite of soup. So And then use your spoon to get it out. Exactly. But it's okay to tip, tip away. and you just tip away from yourself so that you, you tilt the bowl so that you're not likely to pour it into your lap. But towards the yeah. center of the table if you were to get a little aggressive with your soup bowl tipping. Um, because it's okay to tip a soup bowl, you don't necessarily need to pick it up. So I would generally not. But we also say if the bowl has handles and it's clearly designed to be drunk that way or used that way, then it's okay to pick it up. If I was at the most formal event I'd been to and I wasn't hosting it, I would wait to see someone else do it before I did anything (laughs) like that. Me too. So when in doubt, look around, see what everyone else is doing. If you're just on your own, certainly do what feels natural to you. And if you're the only one who's ordered it at that table in business, we suggest that you don't. Among friends, you might even say, you know what? This is so good. I'm going to use these little handles and and drink the last sip. But the heart of good etiquette is practical. And oftentimes those handles are there for you to use them. So (laughs) best of luck, Cece. We hope you can enjoy your broth bowls from now on. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send your question in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Tell 
Today's postscript comes directly from Anna Post, who forwarded on an article that was absolutely fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and she had titled the, the email with the link, uh, Good Podcast Fodder. fodder. And it and is. It truly is. We could not agree more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom Colicchio, a very famous chef in the United States, hosts a a show called Top Chef on Bravo Network. And he owns a a few restaurants. And he has decided at one of his restaurants to include a service charge in the price of the food that he serves at his restaurant during lunch service. So he's Mm -hmm. starting just with lunch service and then might move on to dinner if it works. Trial program. He has stated that he's going to indicate to his customers that there will be only a tax line. Um, Basically, he's stating the service is included within the price of the food. So you're not going to see the cost of your meal and then service charge and then tax. It will just be the cost of your meal and tax. And Mm -hmm. that's it. No line for tip. No nothing. Waiters and waitresses can certainly accept cash tips if they want to, he said. But he is trying to create an environment where his staff, uh, front of house and back of house and and kitchen staff, Mm -hmm. are all provided a salary that should be a decent living wage salary. So we've got a celebrity chef with a flagship restaurant who's experimenting with the idea of changing the way we approach a gratuity here in America. Absolutely. And there are a number of chefs that do this. A lot of them are, are those prefix menus, but not all. His his is not. So this is a little different. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, LP, mm-hmm. having just returned from the continent, this is... Uh, uh, the continent? <laughs> <laughs> from Italy, yes. Um, that, that this is similar to the system that, that people are used to in Europe. In Europe, it's often much more of a profession and it's it's considered a profession in that way to we have to be a server we have professional servers and professional bartenders in the united states but it's it's looked at as more of a transient position in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of range in that from working at a cafe to very high end fine dining. And I think that's why we kind of see both ends of it here, where it's something that, oh, sure, the 15 year old kid down the street does, you know, as his summer job. And it's also something that someone will turn into their career and really hone their skills at it. So we see the ranges of it here. But over there, it is truly considered more of a profession and people are paid a decent wage from what I'm told. And the expectation is that when you leave a tip, it's truly a teeny bit extra. Um, I I would often ask my mother, how much should I leave? She said, enough for a cappuccino or enough for, you know, a a drink after work. So you would just leave a euro or two or a couple euros or maybe for a big dinner, uh, five or seven euros. But not what we are used to in the States. Not the 15% to 20% that's the standard here. Yeah, not the 20% that's the standard here. And I I like how you mentioned that wherever you are in your profession as a server here in the States, that um, servers aren't protected by minimum wage laws 
the they're way not. it's different. Gratuity gratuity positions have lower minimum wages. In Colicchio's restaurant, what he's doing is he's guaranteeing his staff a certain salary. So right. he has to be very explicit about that, has to make that part of his service standard. And it's really important. Um, this isn't something that anybody can just choose to do. It really has to be a decision at this stage that's made by the restaurant. And they can only make this choice by deciding to pay their staff uh, a, a wage that's comparable that's for, to yeah. – um, a, a similar profession a that salary. doesn't yeah. get uh, gratuity. We are really curious what our audience might think about oh, this. I so want to hear what you all think. We will be tweeting out and Facebook posting the link to this article yep. about this experiment. Definitely read it. It's fascinating because one of my best friends was a server for years and years and years. And she always said, no way. I would never want this system to change because I know that by being an excellent server, by working my tail off at it, I can make more money than what they might choose to pay me. Mm-hmm. And that was the big fear is, are you going to miss out? One of the things that Colicchio talks about is that sometimes servers, obviously, they don't always want the lunch shift. They don't want the Sunday night shift. That this oh. allows them to not worry about what shift they get because they're always going to make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Now, some would say that's an asset and some would say that that actually I've worked here five years them. and I've earned the dinner shift and that's yes. one way that I can that excel I've at what I do and, and get proven myself and get paid it. better for it and that sort of thing. So it's a toss-up. People are really, really divided on this issue. And it's interesting to see restaurants like Kraft, restaurants like Per Se, take it on, give it a try, see who they attract for employees mm-hmm. and to also see how that works. And it's a choice. You choose to work at, a, at that restaurant and you choose to do the system that they as a private business owner want to work with their employees. The next step would be whether the custom or the, the social expectation changes enough that we start to see a change in the legal system, whether we start to that see – would be interesting. Individual states pass laws that maybe protect servers with a minimum wage for servers that's a little higher than it is now. Well, you saw in the article what it's going to. It's going from $2.50 to $7.50 per hour. It's jumping up $5 per hour. Mm -hmm. That's a huge jump. That's a massive jump. Because the other thing that we we haven't touched on is the issue of tipping out. I was a busboy for a long time, a busser for a long time. And I got tipped out by my servers, and I knew that the more I helped them, the more they would recognize that, the more I would make. And there were some nights where I was really being helpful, and I really made some good cash that night. And it's interesting to think about what I would have made instead if I had just a straight salary, or will I be as helpful if I know that it's not going to matter how much effort I put into the night, where does that – when am I working for pride and when am I working for doing the job I'm asked to do and when am I working for cash, and which I'll, is motivational? I'll, I'll complicate the question yeah. just a little bit. What if the person working next to you that day worked just as hard but maybe wasn't as vivacious or as charming. outgoing and charming as yeah. my cousin Lizzie Post is <laughs> and didn't get rewarded as well? <laughs> and yeah. Um, Does that cash economy help or hurt and how? And what are the opportunities for um, benefit but also for harm when you're working in a cash economy? So we don't necessarily have tons of opinions on this actual topic, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. (laughs) I'd be really curious to hear what all of you, our audience, think about this. You're right. There's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy 
One way is by watching others. So it's been a little while since Lizzie and I have been in the room together, and today we just couldn't resist. We have two etiquette salutes for you. Our first salute begins. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. I have an etiquette salute for you. Our office recently moved to a new location, which is not quite complete. Throughout the fine-tuning, I have come into contact with several of the construction team. I am a naturally upbeat person who is always smiling, but last week, my beloved cat unexpectedly passed away. She was only five years old and one of the sweetest animals you would ever meet. Naturally, I was very upset and not my usual self the next day at work. The head electrician noticed and asked me how I was doing. My emotions took this as a cue to open the floodgates. Instead of running for the hills, this kind man offered me consoling words and even told me stories about his own cats. This act of sheer human kindness touched me and really made an improvement to my day. Thank you, Michelle. Um, That's so sweet. Michelle, I uh, sympathize sympathize deeply. And I think a lot of people do. Losing a pet can be so, so, so difficult. And the grief that we all experience in those moments is so real. And I think there are a lot of people out there that can connect with your particular experience this day. And I really want to thank you for sharing it. Um, And I hope that some other people take comfort from hearing your story the way you took comfort that day. Our second salute. Dear Daniel and Lizzie, thank you so much for your show and expanding awareness of how to live with compassion and understanding in an age where these qualities seem to be going out of style. That being said, I want to send this salute to my students. I'm a middle school history teacher, and your segment on hat etiquette was providential in its timing. Phenomenal vocabulary. (laughs) As we are at the beginning of our new school year and are teaching rules and procedure to our students, I played the segment for my students the other day, and since then, I have not had a single student wear their hat in my classroom and have even overheard students reminding each other to follow the rule. This has been an ongoing problem over the years, but your quick explanation must have resonated to them. Thank you again, Kaylin Cross. And thank That's you, just Kaylin. amazing. I couldn't believe it when I read it. My little heart is warmed. <laughs> and we want to say thank you to your students. We really appreciate that they were able to understand and appreciate that advice. Well, now, uh, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Well, that's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute and Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. And let me tell you, our website is brand spanking new. It's beautiful. (laughs) We've been working for about eight months on the launch of a new site, and it is finally up and live. So please go give it a test. Try to break it for us. Look around. Tell us what you find. We'd love your feedback. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Our show was produced by the indomitable Hans Buteau. 